Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You know, one of the things I've always said for years is it's too often that this church shows up at city officials or city hall angry about something, wanting to gripe about something. We're not happy with what's happening or this or that, and we don't like to where the Ten Commandments are hanging or not hanging and, and all that when we rarely show up with solutions. And I believe that the kingdom of God people have solutions for the issues that face our city. Amen? Amen. I believe that. You, you know, I'm, I'm going to, is Mark here today? He make it? No? I, okay, I'm going to throw him under the bus then. Well, I'd have thrown him under the bus if he was here. You see, Mark was the, the charge of the codes at that time. And this is what he told me. He kind of toned it down a little bit. You see, we took him through the building. We showed them what we wanted to do. We wanted to phase it. And Mark said to me later, after we dedicated the building, that when he and his other gentleman who was with him walked out into the corner of the street, Mark said to him, listen, let him get started. Don't give him a hard time. They'll clean it out for us. They'll get frustrated. They'll stop. It'll save us some money, and we'll just tear it down. <laughs> he let us get started because he didn't think we would finish. I remember when Mayor Hippo, we would give reports to Mayor Hippo and city council at that point where after we got it done, he said to me, he said, when you started this project, I thought you'd never finish. Now I think you'll finish everything that you say you'll do. Listen to me, we have to have a testimony. And and it's not to bring a testimony to what was then Pleasant Valley Assembly of God. It's not to bring a testimony to Transformation Church. It's to bring a testimony to our God. That people see our God through us. Um, so, so uh, what I'm going to do in the next few moments is um, yeah, I'm going I'm to do a little preaching. And this message I'm going to preach will have multiple applications this morning. It will take us through the journey of that project. And it will speak to us as a body of believers. It also will speak to you as individuals because there's principles in there that you can apply to your life as well. And, um, and I promise that I'll have you out of here by 2 or 3 o'clock, Okay. I really like when Gary's enthusiastic about that. But the message I want to speak this morning, I've entitled it, Ruined to Redeemed. Ruined to Redeemed. How many of that's the story of our life? That's the story of our life. How many know without redemption, we were ruined? How many know we were in need of redemption because we were ruined? And so what I want to do, I want to take you to the book of Nehemiah. Go figure, I'm preaching out of Nehemiah. It's been a while, but I love the book of Nehemiah. Chapter one, if you'll get there with me. And um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna use his story. I'm gonna use uh, uh, as an analogy to who we are as a people. And um, let's just see what God has in store for us. Father, thank you for today. Bless your word. Make it real to us, tangible to us. And let us understand, first and lastly, how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in the, the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was the, the last, if you will, to go back to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity. You see, you got to understand there was, a, there was destruction that had come to the city of Jerusalem. That destruction came because of the result of sin and so forth. And the enemy came, which was Babylon. It destroyed Jerusalem, burned its gates, took the people captive. And then what happened was, after 70 years of captivity, God put it on the heart of King Cyrus to go to build a temple in Jerusalem for God. And he then commissioned a civic leader named Zerubbabel, commissioned with a spiritual leader named Joshua the high priest, sent him back to Jerusalem to rebuild that temple. The work came to a stop. 
for 13 years, and then the prophets of God began to speak in the second year, the second month of King Darius. How many know the prophets of God are supposed to point the way? How many know the prophets of God still speak today? Amen. And so we have to have a prophetic vision for what God wants to do in the land. And they began to speak after it came to a stop. And then what happened? And then they rebuilt the temple. And once the temple was rebuilt, the Bible says that they sent Ezra. Ezra, the scribe, the teacher, went back. And the teacher would teach a remnant how to live in a redeemed land. And then following Ezra, Nehemiah would finally go back. And he would be the one to provide safety and security by building the walls and replacing the gates. Do you know all those? I believe firmly that there are four books of the Bible that teach us how to rebuild cities. With all my heart, I believe Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, and Haggai are four books that will tell us how to biblically rebuild a city. And, um, but I won't go into that today because that's not the title of today's message. And so what happens is Nehemiah is in Babylon. He's in the palace. And he gets a report back. Follow me, uh, verse three. It says, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now let me stop there for just a moment. You, you see, I wanna show you, what I wanna show you, just wanna set a little thing here, is that first of all, I should have had the screen up for you. All right, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and in great distress. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and his gates have been burned with fire. Let me jump ahead to chapter 2 for just a moment and show you what Nehemiah said to the king when he was in his presence. He said, I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? You see, Nehemiah had gotten this report, and the report was disgrace. The report was ruins, this report. And let me say this to you this morning. I want to set this up because it's true in cities. It's true in our own lives that ruins are the work of the enemy. How many know ruins are the work of the enemy? They're the result of the enemy. How many know the enemy does not have good things planned for you? How many know that God has good things planned for you? How many believe God has a purpose for your life? How many believe he has a plan for your life? How many believe the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy that plan? You see, there's sometimes in our life where we have to understand that the ruins in our life are the work of the enemy who wars against us. But yet, let me show you another one. We need to understand this. Ruins are also the result of sin. Listen, the reason that the city was ended up like it did is because it had a people who turned their back on God, stopped serving him, stopped obeying him, stopped living according to his way. And I'm gonna tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, sin and disobedience will always bring ruin into our life. Can we just be honest this morning? Sometimes we wanna blame the enemy for the ruins when the fact of the matter is we should blame ourselves for some of the ruins. Anybody ever make any decisions that brought ruins into your life? Okay, I got one honest person here, another one here, okay. All right, that you've made decisions, and out of that decisions, it has left you in a state of disgrace, a state of ruin. This is what was happening in Israel, or in Jerusalem, okay? Now, but what happens? So Nehemiah, he hears this report, and when he hears this report, something happens. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. You see, here's this man, he's living, he's not living in this ruined place. He's not living in this disgraced place, but he hears a report of it. 
And when he hears that report, it does something to him. It causes compassion to rise out of his heart. It causes a response to rise out of his heart. It, it causes him to be sad. When's the last time you were sad over the state of other people? When's the last time you were sad over the state of the addict? Oh, I know. They made a choice. Stop it. It's called bondage. It's called oppression. They never started out to be an addict. See, what happens is he hears this report. What happens when the redeemed, and what I'm going to use this morning is I'm going to use Nehemiah as an illustration of the redeemed. How many know this morning we're the redeemed of the Lord? How many know he's Christ Redeemer, did a work in our life that brought us out of ruins and brought us to his plan for our life. And so we understand this morning that we're the redeemed. And what happens when the redeemed hears the report? The report from the ruins drives the redeemed to their knees. Pastor John, ministering to people who were battling addiction, He's doing funerals for people doing addiction. It's breaking his heart, the ruins, the disgrace, the death associated with it. And what does it do? Lord, what can I do? Lord, how can I help? What can I do, Lord? You see, he heard and he saw the ruins and the disgrace, which caused a compassionate response, which drives us to our knees. Because how many know God doesn't need us dreaming for him? How many know we need to dream with him? We don't need, we, God doesn't need us thinking up him, an idea for him. Hey, God, I got an idea for you. But rather, we're praying, catching the heartbeat of God. And all of a sudden, God says, how about that house across the street? Nehemiah owned it at that time. The Nehemiah Project owned it. John said, what do you want to do? Good, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. Make it happen. Make it happen. You, you see, what we need first and foremost in order for God to redeem the ruins is for the redeemed to get on their knees and get a plan from God. And get a download from God, if we could use that word for every, to get a, this is what I want to do. Because listen to me, all through the scripture, how many know that you'll find a lot of times men and women doing what God called them to do, of what God wanted them to do, and they didn't want to do it? How many know Moses didn't want to go back to Egypt? He just said, now nah, I'm staying here, I got a good man, I got wives, I got cattle, I got stuff, I'm good, leave me alone. Ever told God, leave you alone? The report drove him to his knees. Listen to what he prays. Lord, let your ear be attentive to my prayer. Your servant. How many of the redeemed is a servant of God? And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man who was the king at that time. And he says, I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah's cupbearer to the king. Now, it's kind of a quasi-bittersweet rule. Like, your job is to taste the food before the king in case anybody poisoned it so you would die and the king wouldn't. How many want that job? <laughs> yeah, have, you, have you ever eaten something that was really nasty and you looked at somebody and said, hey, try this. Like, what is wrong with us? So Nehemiah is this cupbearer. He's to test the food, to test the drink. But you got to understand something. There's benefits that come with that. Because how many know he's living in the comfort of the palace? 
How many know he's drinking the best food, best wine? How many know he's eating the best food? I mean, it's got its downside if somebody tries to kill the king. But over here, he's living it up, man. He's got prestige. He's got position. He's got provision. He's got, he's got it going on. It's sure a whole lot better than living in a city where there's no walls, there's no gates, and everybody's living in disgrace. But there's just one little problem. He got this report. And it's the report from the ruins that ruined the comfort of the redeemed. And my heart beat is that God would continue to ruin the comfort of us, the redeemed, by the report of the ruins. Come on. Because how many know we, the redeemed, can get really comfortable living in the state of the redeemed? That we can get really comfortable living in our little Christian world. You know, Mike Huckabee went into politics. You know, he used to be a Southern Baptist preacher. He left being a Southern Baptist preacher because this is what he said. I thought I could do more good being a politician than driving the big white Christian love boat. Because how many know God's never called the church to be the big white Christian love boat? We can get comfortable. We're comfortable. I got mine. Things are good. Let me get my little. You now we, we just it's just a place of comfort. God's provided for me. We're good. He saved me. He delivered me. But we have no heartbeat for the ruins. You see, this is what happened to Nehemiah. This is what happened. To a church. This is what happened to a church in 2005. This is what happened to a body of believers. I'm just telling you. I saw a body of believers grab a vision of God and the heartbeat of God and run with the heartbeat of God for a place that many don't live, for a place that many have never worshipped in. And it was never about the building. Buildings are our context in America. Go to Africa and it's tents and block buildings with metal roofs. It's just our context. It's never about the building. It's always about the people. You see, I got a question for you. When is the last time the report from the ruins ruined your heart? Just ruined your heart. Just broke your heart. When's the last time you just were reminded by God that there are people lost there are people bound. There are people oppressed by the devil. There are people without the salvation of Christ. When's the last time the ruins have broke your heart and ruined your heart? And I would say to you, if it hasn't, go for a walk. Walk the streets. Go to places you don't normally go. The reports from the ruin ruined his heart and so he goes into the king, and you know the story. If you don't know the story, he goes into the king, and he puts all these requests. And the king says, why are you sad? He says, how can I not be sad? My people are in disgrace. My people are in ruins. And, and I, I got to do something. God, God's got me to do something. And the king says, what do you want? He tells him everything he wants. You see, because then he goes on the journey. And so the Bible says in chapter 2, verse 11, it says, so I went to Jerusalem. And after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. And I hadn't told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. You see, if the redeemed, I'm sorry, if the redeemed is going to redeem the ruins, it must go to the ruins. 
Nehemiah left the palace to go to that place. You know, like we'll talk a little bit of everything that came against him. But he had to leave the, the palace to go to the ruins. And if you're gonna redeem the ruins, you gotta go there. Oh, we've done our Christian duty, praise the Lord. We brought kids in for two hours a week. Aren't we great? Now listen to me, it's good. It's better than nothing. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has an impact individually. It has an impact corporately. It has an impact in neighborhoods. It, you can see the kingdom of God. Because how many of you know this morning the kingdom has a culture? The kingdom has an economy. The kingdom has a value system. The kingdom of God is something you can see tangibly and spiritually. And he goes there. And he goes to the ruins. I remember she said to me, would you take a building for nothing? Sure. What did I do? I went to the ruins. And I began to go through that building. Like I said, got to get over this. Oh, don't step in that. Dodge that. By myself. Stunk. Who am I going to see? What am I going to see? I see a makeshift bedroom here for the homeless. Over here, what is now the nursery today, I see a shooting gallery with all the drug paraphernalia. Do you know, it teaches kids today. And my heart is breaking because this building that has fallen into disrepair has become the ruins because of evil, because of an enemy, and because of sin. It wasn't righteousness that turned it into a ruins. It wasn't righteous activity, which tells me lost people, bound people, afflicted people, addicted people, people without hope, using a building, surveyed the land, Begin to walk the neighborhood, walk the streets. If we're going to redeem the ruins, we got to go to the ruins. And listen to me, the ruins is not just a place of the poor. The ruins is the places without God. The ruins could be at Sylvan Hills. You understand what I'm saying? Because how many know you don't have to be poor to be lost? So Nehemiah goes and he looks at this and he, all of a sudden he sees it all. And he goes to the people, watch this. Then I said to the people, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem is in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. And then there's an invitation. Come on, come on. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and will no longer be in disgrace. You know, when God put it on our heart, it was like, come on, gang, who wants to step in? Who wants to do this? Come on, there was an invitation. You see, because what happens, and I want you to understand something. Watch what he says. He says, come, let us rebuild the wall, and we'll no longer be in disgrace. Let me tell you about the work of redemption. Redemption is moving from disgrace to grace. How many know in our life individually, God took us from a state of disgrace where there wasn't grace in our life, there was sin in our life, there were the ruins in our life, but Christ, but God, but Jesus, by his blood, was able to bring us to a place where we go from disgrace to grace. I stand in grace today because of what my God did. And that's what he wants to do for every one of us, to move you from a state of disgrace, an absence of grace to a place of grace. I mean, there's a great different standing. There was an invitation. Come on, come on, join us. 
And they replied, let us start rebuilding. You know what you did when you voted 100% to do the project? You said, come on, let's start rebuilding. Come on, let's build. Let's do it. You know what you said whenever you gave $76,000 in a roof offering? You said, come on, let's start rebuilding. You know what you did when you cleaned out? Listen to me. You know what you did when you showed up and you picked up drug paraphernalia and you scrubbed up human feces and you took all the garbage out of it? You know what you did? You said, come on, let's start rebuilding. You understand? I mean, this is what happened. When you gave and you committed to $527,000 over two years, you were saying, come on, let's start rebuilding. You see, i got to tell you something this morning. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But let me tell you something. The Lord of the redeemed say so with more than their mouth. They say so with their hands. They say so with their money. They say so with their feet. They say so with their heart. How many of this morning that the redeemed of the Lord had said so? It's easy to speak with our mouth. But now we're picking up human feces to get it out of a building. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're giving money. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're tearing down walls. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The redeemed was making a statement. Man, I get a little excited about this. You see, the report of the ruins caused the redeemed to rally the redeemed. That the people of God said, come on, we're with you. We're catching the heartbeat of God. We're catching the vision of God. And that's what you folks did. I got to take and brag on you. I'm going, uh, Paul bragged on his people at times, and I'm doing, a healthy, I'm doing it in a healthy way, but I'm going to brag on you because I saw it. I saw a church people become a kingdom people. I saw a church people that moved from being concerned about four walls and what happened to the four walls and moved from having a myopic vision of what's good for us to say, no, 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 we are about the kingdom of God. You see, the, you rallied. The redeemed rallied around the redeemed. You see, redemption is the work of God through the redeemed of God. We know what Jesus Christ did on Calvary, amen? And Jesus redeemed us at Calvary. But what Jesus did then, he then looked at some 12 apostles and he said, oh, by the way, carry on my work of redemption. I'm gonna carry this redemption. We only get redeemed through the blood, but how many know we are, we, are, we are agents of reconciliation, ministers of reconciliation? How many know we are to bring redemption to people? We are to preach it, teach it, model it, whatever it takes. That redemption comes, the redemptive work of God comes through the redeemed of God. The people who should have the greatest heart for the ruins are those who have been redeemed from the ruins. You see, here's what happened. Redemption happens as the redeemed catch the vision of the redeemer. Listen to me. I do not, you do not have to dream for God. You do not have to have a vision for God. How many of you already has one? How many of you are looking for people to give it to? How many of you are looking for people to say, here's what I want to do. Here's my vision. Will you join me in the vision? Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. Joshua, I want you to lead the people into the promised land. Gideon, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get out of that wine press. I want you to defeat the enemy and deliver my people. How many of you know the wine press was safe? But it was bondage. 
Redemption. See, see, our prayer is, Lord, what do you want to do? What's your dream? What's your vision? Give me your heart. Give me your eyes. Give me your vision. I don't want it to be mine. What do they do? They, and so, and so the, and the people say, let us begin this good work. And so they began to work. It's a great story. But here's what happens. How many know there's always resistance to a redemptive work of God? Resistance is always, resistance to a redemptive work is always part of the journey. You know, when the, when the people of God begin to move out and let's do a work, the devil just goes, I'm so proud of you guys. You're so awesome. I mean, keep up the good work. You know, I'm so glad. Hey, 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 demons, come here. Look at that. Aren't they great? The Bible's interesting. When Nehemiah started that work, the Bible says that Samballot and Tobiah, who were the enemies of God's people, became very angry. And I asked the Lord, why did they become so angry? Because when the redeemed take over the land, the unredeemed lose control. When the kingdom of God takes over the land, principalities and authority lose control of the land. And it's always about control. You see, there's a resistance. And there was a Sam Ballot. And I've heard the voice of Sam Ballot sometimes. Sam Ballot's a spirit, not a person. It's a person in the Bible, but I'm talking about the Sam Ballot spirit, the Tobias spirit that wars against you and fights against you and doesn't want you working on the benefit of God's people. And what do you do in the face of that resistance? Interesting what he said to them. He answered them this way. He said, I answered them, but I said, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But you, you'll have no share in this, Jerusalem or any claim. Notice what he said. The God of heaven will give us success. And ASB says, therefore, we will start rebuilding. Do you know why we started that project? Not because we saw success in our own power, because we knew that God of heaven would give us success. We didn't have any money. <laughs> we didn't have any money. We can do this thing. But we had people who caught the heartbeat of God. The God of heaven. If you don't believe the God of heaven will give you the success for the plan he gives you, you will never move. You will never step out. Because how many know the rubber meets the road when you face resistance? The work of God always faces it. You see, because what happens in those moments is that the redemptive work of God will now demand faith from the redeemed. First of all, you know the Bible says, I can't even please God without faith. And yet the Bible says, with all things, faith, with all things, yeah. I need water or something. <laughs> all right? With faith, all things are possible. What's your faith level at? Their faith level was founded in one thing. The God of heaven will give us success. We're going to build. We're going to build. We're not going to sit back. We're not going to, we're going to build. So they begin to build. The redemptive work of God then demands a united work from the redeemed. Have you read chapter three of Nehemiah? If you haven't, read it. You've got all of these people who took their place on the wall. They worked with all their heart, the Bible says, and that all of these people from all these families, from all these tribes, from all these different professions, the priests were building, the jewelers were building, except the nobles of Tekoa. 
they would not put their work shoulder to the work. Lazy bums. I think it's interesting. It says the nobles of Tekoa. I get the idea, the proud, the haughty, the ones who might not have been living in the ruins wouldn't put their shoulder to the work. But you know what's really cool? In this work we did, I saw the rich working beside the poor. I saw the black working beside the white. I saw male and female. I saw youth. I saw old people. Some of us are a lot older now. I saw those who struggle with addiction, those who never struggle with addiction. I saw this united group, collaborative effort of the redeemed of God. I saw people from other churches. I saw businesses in our community give resources to the project. Furnaces, installation. See, because how many know he's the difference maker between what you have and what you don't have? We stepped up, we started, and what we found out in the journey is funds follow faith. Faith doesn't follow funds. And this beautiful collaborative effort. And the redemptive work, listen to me, back to that resistance for a moment. The redemptive work of God demands fierce resolve in the face of resistance. How many know when the redeemed stepped out, there are times where all hell will break loose? If you haven't stepped out, you may never have faced it. There are times in your life. I used to say this, and I still say it. I probably said it not too long ago. When I pitched in baseball in high school, in Legion Ball, when I was pitching, I never worried about the guy on the bench. He ain't in the game. Don't care about him over there. I care about that three, four, five hitter. They're the guy that's going to hurt us. I mean, the devil don't care when you're sitting on the bench. He's comfortable with you on the bench. The moment you step into the game, how many know he's coming at you? Nehemiah steps into the game. I'm going to do something about this. Sam Ballot, Tobiah, all these ones, they come against him on a routine basis. We're coming against him, coming against him. I'm going to stop this work. I'm going to frustrate the man of God. I'm going to stop it. Listen, if you think this was all just roses and uh, peaches and cream and cherry and whatever else, let me tell you something. We were in a punch-counter-punch battle with forces of hell as we did that project. Yeah, I can tell you stories about how Pastor, I can tell you we're redeeming a building that had become a drug home, and my son is doing drugs two houses down. This isn't going to give me about me. I'm, telling, I'm just trying to show you the picture. I can tell you for a two-year period of time, our church highs were offset by his lows. If we had a church high and we had a great moment, I promise you the next week was a low. And it was a punch-counterpunch with, with the devil. Fine. Yeah, yeah, you, you got a great offering. Good. I'm going to give you hell for the next two nights with your addicted son. Not because of the son. Fine. You want a great victory? Great. I'm going to seduce him and his friends to break into your office. You get it? Pastor John has stories he can tell. But let me tell you something. When he hits you, you hit him back. You see, Nehemiah said, no, no, no. You're not distracting me. I'm not backing up. Because Nehemiah had one prayer at that point. And this is the prayer we all pray. Lord, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. You see what's happening. You see what's going on. 
I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. We're not going back. We're not going left. We're not going right. But strengthen my hands. My, 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 my wife got cancer. I said, God, what's up with this? Like, we're doing what you called us to do. My son's doing drugs two houses down. My wife gets breast cancer. Punk devil. And again, please understand, I'm not saying this about me. I'm telling you what happens when the redeemed rise up to restore the ruins. If you think the enemy is just going to say, oh, thank you so much, that's so good. You don't know who your enemy is then. Told you before, some of you ain't gangster enough to deal with the devil. Y'all try to be all super spiritual sometimes. I get it. Sometimes you just need to be gangster with them. And then what happens? So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elo in 52 days. You see, because here's what I know, and here's what we have learned. What God starts, God finishes. If you won't quit, if you won't quit, he won't quit. If you will stay faithful, he will stay faithful. If you won't back up, he won't back up. When he starts, he will finish. You see, and I, well, I'll come back to that in a moment. See, what happened for us, it wasn't about a building. It was what would happen in and through the building in people's lives. But how many know it was also what happened in our lives as we did the project? How many would say there was an increased faith level in your life because of it? There was an increased awe of what God could do with a little bit of faith from his people. That you learned what we learned and what we experienced and what we found out and what we discovered. And as we went for what seemed like an incredibly radical step, radical move, it was radical. But I'm going to tell you something. Oh, boy. There... I'm going to tell you, there's going to be another radical move someday in the future that's going to make that one pale in comparison. And all the elders just got nervous. I'm telling you, my radical God does not have us do radical moves just to be radical. He does radical moves because he wants to restore the ruins and redeem the ruined people. And I'm prophesying to you today that my God has another radical step in our future. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't ask me what it is. I'm not sure I know that. But how many know God likes to take you from level to level and glory to glory? You see, when Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, they did not stop. Because then he brought justice to the land. And they restored the land. The walls just provided a framework. What God starts, God finishes. And when all of our enemies heard about this, and all the surrounding nations were afraid, and they lost their self-confidence. Isn't it funny? The enemy has self-confidence when God's people have God-confidence. They lost their self-confidence because they realized 
this work had been done with the help of our God. Let me tell you something. If there's one thing I know about that project, yes, I know we worked, yes, I know we gave, and yes, I know all that, but let me tell you something. God brought stuff and brought things and brought provision and brought people from places we didn't even know existed. I'm telling you, when, 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 when your congressman calls up and says, hey, you want some money for that project? And you go, duh. I mean, that's, that's a good way to talk to your congressman. Duh. Of course we do. Put an, put, put an appropriations request in. Great. How do you do that? We'll show you. Good. That's not us. That's God. That's God. But the redemptive work of the redeemed will cause an enemy to fear. The last thing he wants to do, last thing he wants is a redemptive remnant to rise up to restore and redeem the ruins. And the redemptive work of the redeemed brings glory to the redeemer. Now, how many know that's what it's all about? It's about changing lives, saving souls, and bringing glory to our king. And bringing glory to our king, not glory to self. See, when the redeemed, which I'm going to call his church, because I mean, we're the church. How many know it's not a building? Hope Community Church isn't a building. Hope Community Church is a people that just happens to meet in a building. Transformation Church is not a building. It's a people. It's a people. The church was never defined in Scripture as a building. It was defined as a people, called out, separated. The ecclesia. The redeemed of the Lord. And when the redeemed, the church... His church joins the Redeemer in redeeming the ruins. How many know the dark days become happy days? And I close with this. I'll be back.
my heart is so full over the goodness of God. He's so good. And let me remind you this morning. He wants to re redeem the ruined places. I'm not talking about buildings for a moment. I'm not talking about neighborhoods. I want to say to you this morning, he wants to redo, redeem the re ruined places of your life. There are some ruined places that have come because of choices you've made. There are some ruined places because of the work of the enemy against you. There are some ruined places by what other people have done, choices others have done. But I'll make you a promise. That just as we, by the power of God, restored a ruined building, God will, if you allow him, redeem the ruined places of your life. He will restore what the enemy has stolen. He will bind up the brokenhearted. He will set the captive free. He'll give you joy in the midst of mourning. He'll give you a spirit of praise. You stand fast and see the salvation of your Lord. And he will restore and he will redeem those ruined places. And he will move you from a state of disgrace to grace you stand in his grace when you stand in his grace nobody else can bring a charge against you and ask you to stand with me I got one more thing we're going to do this morning we're just going to sing a declarative song this morning going to declare this this morning. It was a theme song that we sang all through this project. From the moment we began to clean out garbage. And let me say this. I, could go, I, I, I can't even begin to try to go through this room today and thank every individual who gave, worked, sacrificed for that project. Yeah, know who you are. And I say as a pastor, thank you. But I also say as an under-shepherd of Jesus that he says thank you. You were the redeemed that bought into the vision of the Redeemer and you redeemed the ruins. And we say thank you.